This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. I encourage you to highly check out theropetrainer.com. It's a great device that uh, Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, John Smoltz, and the gang have come up with to assist us as we try to protect these young arms, uh, get our throws in, get the arm ready to go, train it, without putting some of the undue stress that is not necessary all the time. Uh, it's a great device. It's a great training aid. Uh, I look forward to our continued conversation and our continued education with the Rope Trainer. Again, that's theropetrainer.com. Make sure you check them out today. Um, uh, Enjoying the shows that we've been doing lately. We've been doing a lot of series, uh, getting different opinions. seems like sometimes when we talk about a topic, especially something like chasing velocity or tryouts, uh, things can get opinionated sometimes. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what we have. Our opinions are formed both uh, by education, by experience, sometimes by misinformation and by poor experience so it sometimes helps us all to get different thoughts from different people and that's why we've kind of went to this series i hope you guys are liking those especially when we talk about some of the uh, the interesting topics like chasing velocity or tryouts because they're all subjective right i mean do we really know for sure what we're doing with any of this sometimes i i wonder if we're even close to knowing but the reality of it is we're never going to get anywhere if we don't talk and we don't communicate and, and try to get through these things uh, today's show, though, is uh, is more on the line of some of the things that I really enjoy uh, covering because, you know, every now and again I find something that I'm really passionate about because it, it isn't that you need me to believe in it, but I but I do, so therefore I become a fan, right? So that's how I found the rope trainer. It's the day I met, I'll never forget the day I met Earl Perrin at the ABCA and became a big fan just because I I kind of educated myself with it and I saw a need both as a baseball coach, as a parent, and as a father. So whenever something comes along that I feel that way about, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to bring it to you. And again, as I always say, just give you some information about it and then encourage you to go out and check it out for yourself. Uh, So before we get to that today, though, I do want to remind everybody to make sure they check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. That is our website. It's where you'll find the current show, and you can listen there. But it's also the easiest way to subscribe to the show. That's what we highly encourage you to do. You just simply click subscribe to the podcast couple easy steps going forward every time we release a show you'll get a little notification it is completely free and again it's the easiest way to stay up to date with what we're doing the website of course uh, youthbaseballtalk.com is also a way to catch up on back episodes it's what encourages me the most about our growing fan base is that uh, the very first show i ever did two years ago still has multiple downloads every week so people kind of binge watch listen binge listen not binge watch like netflix but We do appreciate it. And I get emails about shows I did six months ago, sometimes a month ago, sometimes two years ago, uh, asking questions. And we put people in contact with with people and discuss some great topics as these things are kind of always evolving. Right. So we are very much encouraged by that. Twitter is a great way for us to stay in contact with everybody as well. At Podcast Baseball is where you'll find us there. Uh, Slowly approaching 10,000 followers. We do appreciate that. I've never paid for a follower. I'm not about to. And if you're involved in youth baseball, we're going to follow you back because we're curious what interests you. 
Uh, you'll find us on Facebook as well, Youth Baseball Talk. Just type it in the search bar. You'll find us. Uh, we're sharing more and more great stories, great topics, thanks to my good friend Spiker Helms, who's my new co-host, uh, who is not here today, by the way, uh, off taking care of some, some other business as I handle the duties. But he's been a great addition to the show. I really love his passion, and I love what he brings. Uh, special thanks again to lineupmedia.fm. You're changing the way you want to listen. You want to listen to what you want to listen, how you want to listen, and when you want to listen. That's why you need to check up lineupmedia.fm, the fastest-growing podcast network on the planet. I guarantee you they know your time is valuable. Entertainment is valuable. Check them out. You'll find another great show, I assure you. Well, let's get to today's show. I'm really excited about this, only because uh, for those of you that have been with me either from the beginning or have went back and binge-listened, or if you've been with me outside of the podcast as a baseball coach and as a teacher for, for quite some time now, you would hear me say that uh, I, I answer the question or just bring up the topic of the things that I, as a coach and parent, have seen that I think are some of the most, I'm not going to call them troubling things because they're just natural things that are hard through the game of baseball that some kids can overcome and get better at, some kids struggle with. It's the natural progression of the game. But when people ask me all the time what I see, and we see all these hitting lessons and we see all this stuff, and it's all phenomenal. I tell people all the time that the one thing that I see that a young player struggles with is casting the bat, throwing the hands outside the baseball. I think that's inherent because when they're young, it's what they feel is their hands. Now, our good friend Justin Stone up at EliteBaseball.tv will tell you that in sequential hitting, if you do everything the right way, that will take care of itself. Well, as we help these players understand that and as we help these players with feel, I'm always interested in something that would help a young man feel and actually see results. So as I've always said this, that I thought that casting their hands and getting and, and coming around the baseball, I've always thought was the biggest issue for young hitters. And the reason is it's not so much the ones that can't do it the right way. It's as much a problem for the young kids that we see that are just bigger, stronger, more athletic at a younger age. Those kids do it too. The difference is at a younger age, they get away with it. And they have some success, so they continue to do it wrong. But then when the game gets really hard, they can't figure out why all of a sudden they're struggling. Part of that is because that swing, the casting of the hands and coming out around the baseball, really only works for so long. Big, athletic, strong kids tend to get away with it when they're younger. So that's why I've always kind of felt like it was a real issue. Well, about, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe a month ago, month and a half, I actually was Googling my good friend Earl Perrin because I wanted to see something, and I typed in the rope trainer, as I always do. I have no idea why, but somehow I got the rope bat. And I clicked on it, and I, what I found was something really incredible. Um, it is a hitting tool, a hitting system, if you will, that absolutely addresses one of the things that I find to be an issue, and that is swinging around the baseball. Now, I've seen other things before that either, and I'm not going to say claim, because I think everybody's stuff is there to help and do things, but I've seen all kinds of things before to use for this. But i got to tell you, once I got on here and I started looking at this and the concept of what it is, how it works, how to use it, how to implement it, and, and, and all the things that go with it, the next thing for me then was, is it easy to use? Is it easy to teach? Is it, I went through all the checklists and I thought, this thing is amazing. So I thought, you know what? I got to contact the guy. I contacted him. I got one for my own son. We've been messing around with it. 
I called him back and said, listen, I think this thing is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's a genius type product in my opinion. So I called the guy and said, look, I'd love to have you on and let you tell people about it because I do feel strongly about it. And he was kind enough to say yes. And he's kind enough to join me today. So, uh, basically welcome to the show, Gary Long from the rope bat. How are you today? I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, from the great state of Texas, correct? Correct. Austin. Austin, Texas. A uh, lot of hot, lot of baseball going on in Texas. I know that. A lot of good baseball, too. Uh, absolutely. It's a hotbed. Softball, too. Yep. No, I, uh, it's, you know, we can see where our listeners are at. And one of our biggest states is Texas. There's a lot of baseball down there. We've made a lot of great contacts with clubs and people down there that have that have kind of gotten involved with back and forth with the show. So, number one, I appreciate uh, you joining us and, and, and helping to grow that continued growth of baseball down there. But the reason I have you on today is I want to talk to you about the rope bat. So the first thing is tell our listeners exactly what it is uh, before you kind of tell them how you come up with it. Well, it's, uh, it's a bat head on a rope uh, that uh, is the length is determined by the sweet spot of a real bat, and it's adjustable. Uh, uh, it's light, which enables kids to swing fast and hard, which they don't do with a real bat when they're young or even when they're older. I think that's one of the, the problems uh, that, that uh, kids, uh, their goal is not to drive the ball. Their, their goal is to touch the ball, to not look bad. And, that, and because the bat's heavy, uh, they swing slow, and when they swing slow, uh, gravity catches up. And as you say, when they cast, their arms get out away from their body, and they're weak, and they fall. And uh, so it's a it's a catch twenty two. So uh, it's uh, the rope bat was is just a, it's a simple rope with a uh, a light cushioned head. Uh, there's two sizes. There's a twenty seven inch and a thirty three, and uh, the 27 inches for kids that use a 30 inch or, or lower or shorter. And uh, the uh, bigger bat we call the adult is for kids who use a 31 or adults or longer. Uh, the, the short one, the, tw- the 27 is also used by older kids, including major leaguers uh, as one hand drills and short bat drill for short bat drills. Um, you know, as I look at this thing, it's, it, I, I'm like, this is amazing. This is, this makes so much sense. There's a lot to it. What was, you know, tell us a little bit of the story. I, I, you know, I know it of course, but how you came up with it. It's an interesting story and in how this whole thing came to be. Well, in, uh, 2013, I was coaching a select team and I had a uh, 16 U had some good kids and I had a one particular kid was very athletic and uh, could run, he could throw, he could pitch. He was a great outfielder, but he really struggled hitting. And his problem was disconnection. He was just very disconnected. He had no kinesthetic chain, could not, uh, you know, get in sequence as you were talking about a while ago. And, uh, I've been teaching hitting since 77 and, uh, I got a pretty good, uh, arsenal of tools to help, with that and I could not help this kid and I had three practices with him and to no avail and I came home one day after the third practice and was sitting on the back porch and and just running uh, my mind just visualizing what he was doing and I thought and I had always told kids who were disconnected that they had slack in their swing and uh I guess, I don't know, I just thought with the slack and the rope, I thought, you know, if I could put a bat head on a rope, 
uh, and make it light because you you know I couldn't visualize it hitting a real ball. Then he would have to. It seemed to me like he would have to do what I'm trying to get him to do. So the next day, uh, I went to uh, Walmart and Lowe's and made what the first of what would become known as the rope bat because that's exactly what it is. And it, with a lot of duct tape, that first one was. I swung it right here, cut it with uh, cut it in half with a uh, uh, serrated kitchen knife and swung it right here in my living room until it and put, kept adding duct tape until it was heavy enough to have some substance where you could have a feel and took it out that night, uh, the next practice, and put uh, wiffle balls on the tee and said, Jake, I want you to sw- just try to hit these balls. And he swung and missed three or four times. And uh, and because – and I wasn't telling him anything. He, had, he understood how it felt because the slack and the looseness of the rope, he had to do some things different to hit the ball. And he did. And uh, within uh, ten swings – he was he was mashing it, and I hadn't told him anything other than swing it. He did the rest on his own, and uh, that's one of the beautiful things about the rope back. Kids get instant feedback, and can literally coach themselves. Yeah, and that's for, how it happened. Well, you know, and for me, like I said, when I when I see these things, some of them make so much sense that they almost seem comical. You know, to be honest, and. When I saw it, I, I think I had told you I found it like at 1130 at night and I wanted to call you like right away. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't wake the guy up. But, you know, I, you know, you tend to do some surfing, you know, on the Internet at, 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 when everybody's in bed, you know, and you're just looking around. And I couldn't wait to talk to you the next day. And immediately, like, you know, and you're a good man. And you're like, listen, I you know, you got me one out right away. I got it home, uh, showed it to my my son, who. Uh, is becoming a decent player in his own own right, but struggles with casting. He's not a he's a smaller on the smaller side. He's not as small as he used to be, but you know he's gaining strength in his core. But I think some of it is, and I'm just trying to be logical here. I just think some of it is he's not strong enough yet, and what he feels is his hands. He feels his hands the most, so he gets handsy, right? And I would have totally agree. And they all do. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we fi- you know, weather wasn't cooperating here. You and I were kind of going back and forth. And finally, we got the opportunity to go out. And uh, it's a neat little device, which made it interesting for him because it wasn't like, oh, I don't want to do this. It was like, well, this is kind of cool. What is this? First few times, it completely revealed itself what he was doing. Then he kind of went through that stage where he was really conscious about what he was doing and was overdoing it. Then I think after he got comfortable with it, he just kind of let it go and he could feel and see exactly what, how it worked. And I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't just help with hands inside the ball. It helped with extension. It helped him with, with concentration. It helped him with feel. It helped him with athleticism. I thought it was a great thing for him. Uh, the instant feedback you get can provide a lot of confidence. Uh, I think it's an easy tool to use in a day and age where, you know, sometimes Things can be a little over 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 the head of the instructor as well because, you know, I say it all the time. Some of us, including myself, sometimes know just enough to be dangerous. Uh, we <laughs> all can't be Justin Stone or even Gary Long for that matter. And, you know, I don't get to spend 100 hours a week educating myself on all the new things. And that's why we have to have the Matt Lyles and the Justin Stones and the Bob Tewksbury's of the world that, you know, Steve Springer's and Troy Silva's, all these great instructors that are taking our kids to these other levels but for most of us, we work, right? We, we work normal jobs, and, 
and we and we come home and we get if we're lucky an hour to spend with our kid sometimes in a team setting we don't even get private time but this was so easy to use and uh it looks like you took that into account as well it's something that's easily transferable both from bag to the diamond to the to the training place but um it i don't know i thought it went really well and he seemed to have enjoyed it he seems to have learned something with it and he's having some success that i would think as a result of this what kind of feedback are you getting from people that are using it outside of yourself? Uh, I know you've got a lot of testimonials, but what kind of stuff are you hearing from people? Well, we do have a lot of testimonials. Uh, I get calls and emails almost daily, Facebook uh, responses uh, about how much it's it's helped the, the kids swing. And, uh, you know, hitting is, I guess, the hardest thing in sport, as they say. But it's not rocket science. I mean, there are things that all good hitters do uh, that the rope bat forces you to do, like keep your hands inside. Uh, and if you, it, when you talk about the bat, you know, being heavy and kids struggling with casting, <clears throat> once you learn to swing with your body and not your arms, your hands just simply hold the bat. They don't swing the bat. Your body swings the bat. You know, Jim Lefevre talked about that in his book in the early 70s called The Making of a Hitter. He mentioned centrifugal force, and that's what the rope bat is based on. You don't see that anymore. You know, uh, some people call it rotational hitting, but it's not just rotation. It's linear and rotational, but it's mainly rotational. But once, you know, you know once those kids learn that, and, and, uh, and I assume with your son, you, you, you made it not too long, right? It's like two or three inches shorter than the, than the barrel, than the length, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we, that's we, critical. well, we worked with it a little bit to find, like at the very beginning, I didn't. And then I, we started playing around. Then I kind of, you know, I got more comfortable with the device as we used it more and kind of. After, you know, I did my research, went to your site, made sure we were doing it right. And then I got more comfortable with how it's to be used and what it's supposed to do, if that makes sense. Right, right. Well, when, when they learn to swing with their body, they, can, they increase their bat speed exponentially. And it also, you know, it also forces them to get on plane. You cannot hit a line drive, either soft toss or straight toss or, or on a tee, Without getting on plane, you have to get when you when you scorch one and you hit all ball and no tee, you pretty much done everything right. Uh, you also got lag, and and lag is something that is difficult to teach. It's difficult to explain, but it's critical in hitting. And um, it, it, when when they when they hit it really well, there's a there's a not only a sound but a feel, and you can see it jump. So there's you know you got feedback coming in different different senses. And, uh, in fact, uh, Major League Coach Alan Zinner, uh, those are the two things that he really liked about it. And his son swings it, uh, that it forces him to get on plane, and it, it, it clearly shows the difference between bat lag and bat drag. And uh, so, you know, uh, it took a year after I made the first one before we started really identifying everything that it does. And it is... It's just amazing that it addresses all all of these issues to help kids. You know, if people are using it to teach switch, switch hitting. Uh, you know, it works for softball just as well. Uh, 
it's it's great for summer camps. I mean, it's safe. You know how safe it is. I mean, you, you know, you get a bunch of six and seven year old kids swinging real bats, and uh, <clears throat> it can be a little dangerous. Uh, but with the rope bat, it's safe. It's light. You have to use wiffle balls or smush balls, and uh, and it just allows them. It fosters them teaching themselves. And when they can teach themselves, they, they become involved. Uh, as the instructor, then that that's authentic learning. That's a learning that stays with them. Yeah, I you know, and that was the thing for me too. Is that you know, obviously, this would be something to use at any age level, and that's going to be my next question for you. You know, the safety obviously is great, but um, you know, I'm looking at this thing thinking, man, I wish I'd have had this when he was younger, and it would have been something that he could have used on a repetitive basis that would have assisted him in it just becoming second nature. Like I think most things that we either don't give enough credit or maybe even sometimes we go the other way with too much credit. But the reality of it is some of this stuff is just feel and memory, right? So for me, as I look at all this, I think to myself, what could we do or what could we use to help people and and get a feel for what we're going to have going forward? Well, this would be something that I would use on a consistent basis to have that feel stay with me all the time. Uh, what are you seeing from the older, whether it be kids, college kids? Uh, I know you probably even have some guys at the professional level swinging this thing. What are you seeing from them as far as how they're using it in their approach? Well, it's it's great around the cages. Uh, in BP, uh, when they're working in the cages, it's station work. uh, uh, uh I give a I have a coach's four pack that sells you know sell four for basically the price of three that allows them to set up you know uh, soft toss uh, using the tee and using it in the cage to just uh, you know work on going with the pitch away or pulling the ball or the high pitch uh, and just being connected you know there's nothing in baseball there are all the skills in baseball whether it's fielding hitting throwing is require connection and uh, the that's the biggest thing, and that's what it was it was invented for was was to get connected. And when people get in slumps, whether they're major leaguers or or little leaguers, uh, slumps are usually called there's some kind of disconnection in casting, looping, hitching. Uh, those are all just another word for disconnect. Uh, so the, the 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 rope bat does not lie; <laughs> it tells the truth. And, uh, you know, I have some, I have some coaches, uh, buddies of mine that uh, coach high school and, and some of their players don't like it because they, it, because it's not easy, you know, and, and Jim, you know, hitting's not easy. So, uh, it, it just, it forces them to, to pay attention to every little thing. Uh, so it's a great maintenance tool for those who are really good hitters. It encourages a short, quick stroke. Uh, it increases bat speed, and uh, they're in, back to your question. They use it, uh, you know, uh, as part of their normal BP regimen. You know, it, since you don't use the rope bat in a game, of course, uh, you you want to transfer the things you learn from the rope bat to your real bat and your real bat swing, and uh, that's that's the real beauty of it. And talking about the the junior was not my idea. The 27 inch was, uh, there was a, an assistant coach over here at McNeil high school in round rock who called me after their kids, uh, their, their team had had it for a month. And he said, you know, I got a four year old son 
And I was wondering, can you make a little rope bat for him so that I think that he can learn a correct swing from the get-go, from the very beginning? I think that's what you were alluding to kind of sort of a minute ago. And so I thought, what a great idea. And so we got the rope bat junior, and now 50% of our sales are rope bat junior. Well, you know, one of the things for me is anything I do, well, I did a lot when I was really coaching, but now that I'm just kind of working with my own son and then occasionally I help others. But um, for me, some of it has to be, and this is part of my maturation process of being a, whether it be a teacher of the game, a coach, whatever you want to call it. I learned more and more from some of the best guys that anything you do with a kid, the kid has to be able to identify what he's doing. Um, and that means we aren't going to stand over the top of them. Well, we shouldn't. It happens. But we shouldn't have to stand over the top of them in everything that they do. They should be able to learn things on their own. Then they are in control. They have feel. They have feedback. They understand. They can make self-correction. We call it adjustments, right? In-game adjustments. Heck, in-it, bad adjustments, right? Um, right. That's what I enjoyed Absolutely. about this. I can cut Logan, my son, Logan. I can cut Logan loose with this with a bucket of smush balls in the cage and a tee, or heck, in the backyard, whatever, I can cut him loose with this thing, and I know that if he spends 15, 20 minutes, it's a productive 15 or 20 minutes because to do it and do it correctly, you have to do it properly. It's not a mess around thing. It's not a just go out and do this and do that. It's almost like you can't do that. It is a positive, reinforced effort that provides results. That's what I like the most about it. Well, I agree, and, and I'll tell you, as a you know, as a former coach for years and years, well, I'm still coaching, but when you have a team, if you're a, the coach and you want to work in the bullpen or you want to work with the infielders and you send a group of people to the cage uh, to tease and, and, and cage just to, to hit live, well, if if they if they have a bad swing and nobody's over there, that bad swing is just going to get reinforced. There's nobody there to say, hey, you're doing this, that, or the other, and uh, – but with the rope bat, they don't need a coach over there. They all know. You put them in pairs, and uh, and they get competitive, and they start talking noise to each other. And uh, I, I, how many in a row can you hit perfectly? Uh, becomes competitive. It's very positive. And there, there's no, they're not going to sit there and swing bad over and over and over. And uh, that, that's another positive thing about it. Yeah, and again, I, I just, for me, and again, I, to each their own, right? I mean, everybody is going to try to figure out, you know, the, the, the way to, to get something across to a young player. I mean, I've said that a thousand times over. You show me a way to get it through to a kid how to do something properly, and you've got yourself a million-dollar idea. I say it all the time because it's all about presentation. It's all about communication. It's all about action. But, you know, again, with your device, what I found is the instant feedback, the ability to use it and it not be over everybody's head. And again, I, I just I think some of these things um, we do sometimes are a little over the top, but not this one. This one made so much sense to me from the beginning, and I was very encouraged by it from the beginning. I felt like it was a great, uh, great device. Uh, my favorite thing to do when I see these is just because I see something. Uh, I try not to, uh, for lack of a better word, I try not to just come right out and say, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I, you know, I tend to want to use it, 
uh, get a feel for it. And then at the end of the day, I know that I'm still just one guy. I mean, everybody can can think whatever they want. But, I mean, I, I, this thing here for me just solved a lot of problems for me. And, again, I, there are no guarantees that the rope bat or anything, for that matter, is going to make my son, your son, anybody's son a great hitter. But what it does do is it does give them an opportunity to both feel and understand that, hey, this is what you're striving for. This is the feel that you really want if you're so fortunate to be able to continue to use it. And, and again, that's what means the most to me in this whole thing. Um, and, you know, as far as what's next for you, I can only imagine. Because, like I said, I, I would have to believe there's so many people out there that are interested in the rope bat. And they're probably all going to use it in a little bit of a different way. But what is next for the rope bat? Well, uh, your business is 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 incredibly uh, growing, and we're very fortunate. Uh, uh, as far as what's next is just to get it. You know, the whole purpose of this is was I, I'm a I'm a coach. I'm not a business guy, so I accidentally fell into this, and uh, the my my goal is just just to get in as many kids' hands as possible uh, because it's it's. And like you say, it is not, it's not a panacea. It's not, it's not the greatest thing since sliced bread. It is an excellent teaching tool to help kids hit better, to help them understand exactly what goes on in a good swing. And uh, it's got to be used in conjunction with a real bat. Uh, so, you know, when I do my drills, we'll just swing uh, we'll hit the ball up the middle eight times with the world bat and then eight times with the real bat and a real ball. And I, I want to be sure and point out to your listeners that the rope bat cannot be used with real balls. It's got to be uh, wiffle balls or smush balls or something like that because the rope, ball, the rope bat is very, very light, uh, but it is very durable. But uh, it's just it's a tool, and I've been around this a long time, and, and I know that people are basically cynical, coaches, especially when there's a new product come out. Yeah, right. Uh, but coaches, when they when they know about hitting uh, and, and they understand it and they get it in their hand, they are going, geez, this is, this is something else. I'm, uh, I'm in several hitting facilities all over the country now where the coaches and the owners – and instructors are using it and selling it. Uh, uh, I'm in Fresno uh, with uh, Joy Myers and uh, with uh, uh, a guy in uh, Dave Steen in, in, in Oregon and uh, 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 a girl in uh, Chicago, right outside of Chicago, and uh, a guy in New Jersey. And uh, that's, you know, I guess that's my next thing, just to, to for those people to reach out that have – have access to so many young kids, boys and girls, and, and, and just help them help them get better. Because, you know, t- you know, and I think you alluded to this, telling is not teaching. If telling was teaching, then everybody could coach. But it's it's not. It's it's communication, as you said, and getting over the what you want this boy or girl or man or woman to do uh, uh, in a variety of different ways. And this, this the rope bed is just uh, 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 tool that really that really expands that effort that method there's it's just it's it's different things to different people well i I find it to be incredibly easy to use i find it to be a great feedback tool i find it to be something that you can use for repetitiveness for muscle memory for feel for understanding 
And those are a lot of boxes that I want to check if I'm going to use something. Uh, I know there's a faction of people out there that think some things are gimmicky and, you know, we don't need this and we don't need that. But I would disagree. I think anytime you have something that's both easy to use, uh, something that you can put in the hands of any kid um, that will give them both instant feedback, give them information, give them feel. Uh, for me, it's a great thing. And I, I, you know, it's like the Holy Grail for me. I'm always on this quest to address what I think sometimes are issues that, you know, if you, if you don't know enough to be dangerous, like I always say, that you're kind of unfamiliar with. I've, I've said it a thousand times over. It's one thing for a kid to swing around the baseball and, and struggle. Because you can identify it and say, look, you, here's what you have to fix. And then you got to go fix it, right? That's the hard part. The struggle for me are the kids that swing around it and have success in an early age. And then you get that false sense of, hey, he's got this figured out. I know that you've seen it. I've seen it. A lot of people have seen it. That kid gets to a higher level. And all of a sudden, it's like, why is he struggling so bad? He's always had so much success. It's like, well, you're, um, you know, we're exactly we, right. Yeah. Were we. You know, I've told people before when I was a, when I was a coach and just getting started, I had some parents come up to me, not not being out of line, really trying to ask. They're like, "Man, I've noticed lately he's really hitting well." This was especially the first year we were machine machine pitch. Man, my kid was really pounding the ball, but I see you're really on him about. And I go, "Do you want him to hit now, or do you want him to hit later?" Because right now he's timing up a pitch coming in at 40 miles an hour, and he is swinging around it and he is creaming it. So we've got to get we've got to work on it now at a young age. I've become more of the belief of let's be athletic, let's let them be free, let's let them do this. But if you can do something repetitive and get the athleticism in the swing the way it needs to be on plane, I don't see how it's a bad thing. And, again, it's fun, too. My son had fun swinging it. There's the other thing we don't talk a lot about when it comes to training aids or devices or anything that's, that's beneficial. It's fun. You know, you've got to make this fun. thing fun. you got to make it fun for the kids. That's the other thing, right? Exactly. And when they, you know, in, in hardly, I did have a kid the other day, I had an 11 year old kid named Matthew that came out in the first swing he took, he could not have hit it better. That is the exception, not the rule. Uh, but when you see the expressions on these kids, when they swing and miss uh, two or three times or they barely hit it, but then they, they get it and the light goes on. Oh my goodness. You talk about And you mentioned it a while ago. It's a confidence builder. And they have to swing hard. So, you know, what I want them to do, when you get that real bad in your hand, swing hard. It's fun to hit the ball hard. And if you don't swing hard with that real bad, you're not going to hit the ball hard. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to watch them grow right there before your eyes. And I'm talking in, in three to five minutes you, you see the growth. Well, I know um, you had mentioned earlier you're all over the place now, but uh, for our listeners that are interested, uh, my suggestion is, and I'm probably going to do some of the work for you here, real simple, guys. Type it in, ropebat.com. Very simple. Click on it. I'm assuming uh, you can buy the device through there, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you're doing all contract now. What is the easiest way for somebody to purchase one? Well, they can go to ropebat.com. They can go to Baseball Express. They can go to Amazon. Uh, so uh, those are, and we're trying to grow. Uh, we've, we've talked to some other people. I was at ABCA too and uh, was, was uh, contacted by some online people, still working with them, talking to them. 
but it was a big hit, Jim, at uh, at a- ABCA. I wish you'd have come by and seen us. Well, I would love to have mentioned. Well, no, I would have. Uh, most of my listeners are aware I do not fly, um, and uh, I have a fear of flying, so I don't fly. Um, and it was I didn't in know that yeah. Was well, it was in Anaheim this year, which would have been a, a two day drive for me. So I sat that one out. But I can promise you, <laughs> the next few are in driving distance, and I will be there and I will see you because uh, I went to my first one two years ago in Nashville. I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe how awesome this is. That's where I met Earl and John Smoltz and Chris Verna, and met so many mm-hmm. other people that I've talked to about being a part of the show and people that love the show and and, and are involved in baseball and use it as a tool both for parents and kids, to, to try to, again, I, we've never said we have all the answers here. We're basically just trying to help and provide a little bit of information. And, again, if I can put somebody in touch with you and they get this thing and it helps their son, I'm going to feel like mission accomplished. That's exactly how I feel. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I, I wish your son continued uh, success. And uh, yeah, make sure that thing's not too long. Too long is too hard. No, no, no. It's uh, we, we did. We made some adjustments because – like I said, it's like anything, right? You got to play around with it a little bit, and then you get the feel. If you know enough, again, just enough to be dangerous, you can kind of get the feel. You're going to watch your kid swing this thing just a couple of times, and you're going to say, I get it. It's really cool. A lot of kinetic chain stuff in here, right? We need everything going this way, and then this comes through. And if everything's working right, it comes right through on plane. It's a great thing. It's a great device. I think you've got a home run here, my man, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Well, thank you very much, and you too, and uh, I hope to hear from you soon. Send yeah. some video. Yeah, no, I will. I, uh, <laughs> he's playing high school now, so my time with him is very limited. But the first chance I get, once again, uh, we're having a lot of rain here right now, but the first chance I get and I get out there, I'll, I'll get some video over and send it to you. As he, he had a great time with it, and as did I. So thank you so much, my man. Thank you, Jim. Talk to you later. That is Gary Long, uh, Coach Long, with uh, theropebat.com. It's his wonderful device, wonderful training aid. Uh, I just, again, I think it's awesome. Uh, I don't typically come on here and hawk a bunch of stuff. Uh, I do think things are interesting, uh, even if it's something that I'm not sure about. Um, If I feel like there's a lot of interest and a lot of topical stuff going on with it, I'm happy to talk about it. But, man, I got to tell you, I love this one. I think it's really cool. Um, You know, there are a lot of people out there that, that want to use this or use that. But man, if you're looking for something that gives you that feedback, that instant feedback, this is a good one. I think it's really cool. I encourage you check it out. Ropebat.com. They got some great uh, instructional videos on there of how to use it. Uh, some testimonial stuff on there from some guys that have added it into their routines. You can really see what they're doing with it. I do. I, again, I just think it's a fantastic product. Check it out. The ropebat.com. Um, Going to uh, get to our contributors here in just a second. Before we do, I want to remind everybody that the show is brought to you each and every week by another rope product. Isn't that amazing? And it, and it is how I found it, which was kind of cool. And that is the Rope Trainer. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com. My good friend Earl Perrin, John Smoltz, Chris Verna, they've come up with this wonderful device. John Smoltz, you know, again, anybody that's going to take time out of their Hall of Fame speech to address what I believe is a growing arm epidemic and really want to try to do something about it has got my ear, and he should have yours as well. Make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. It's a great tool to use to save some of these bullets and these young arms and get them going in the right direction. It's awesome stuff. Make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. We appreciate their continued support. Let's go over now to Justin Stone with his EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Remember, I encourage everybody to check him out. Uh, does a great job with instruction, uh, thoughts, uh, the mental part of the game, physical part of the game, the things you need to do if you want to be successful, work ethic, everything you may need, and explained in a way that we can all uh, do a good job of trying to help, whether it be your player, 
you know, whether you're a parent, coach, whatever it may be, EliteBaseball.tv will definitely have something for you. Give them a try. Justin, take it away. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv. And today I'm coming to you from London, England, where I've been here the past week, teaching members of the British baseball and softball national teams. And it made me think of some coaching points that I've heard recently. You know, coaches are always quick to take credit for a player's success. But how often do you hear coaches take responsibility for a player's failure? And the first thing that we are quick to say as coaches when somebody fails and it's not going well with that athlete is that they're uncoachable. And in reality, is that player really uncoachable or do we not have the personality or communication skills in order to reach that specific player? Or did we not have the tools at our disposal to really help that player? And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about that uncoachable player. I want to talk about that hard to reach player. Because if you're listening to me today, you have an interest in youth sports. You're probably a coach, you're a parent, and all you're looking to do is to help your athlete or your series of athletes. And that means you need to study your craft. We have a lot more information available to us today than we've ever had before. Ignoring that information because it's threatening to us, it may change the way you teach, or because it's time consuming and is gonna force you to have to learn something new and the study process takes time, is a cop-out. So I hear guys all, all the time say, well, I just keep it simple. I'm gonna keep it simple for my athlete, which is absolutely true. Keeping it simple in terms of your communication shows that you have a mastery of knowledge of that specific skill. So absolutely, whether I'm talking to a seven or 27 year old, I wanna break that down into the simplest form to get a very complex idea across to them. The body movement of a hitting or pitching skill is an extremely complex movement that happens in a very short amount of time. There's a lot of moving parts that go onto that. How can you relate that in a very simple way is powerful. And that goes back to, are you able to communicate those skills? Do you have the personality that can reach different types of personality other than your own? And there, you can reach anybody. And you don't have a player that's uncoachable because they are hard to reach. However, you have to learn those skills. So when I hear coaches say that I want to keep it simple, not all the time are they doing that because they want to break it down and actually help the athlete. They're doing it because they're afraid to have to learn something new. And I've heard this recently, even with professional players that played in a decade or two decades ago, explain on TV that they don't understand what an exit velocity or launch angle has to do with having success. And it's just another tool at the athlete's disposal that we can use as coaches if we need to. Now, what good coaches do isn't regurgitate a bunch of information to try to impress their student. And usually that's just going to confuse them. And that's more about the coach's ego than it is really helping the player. But with the more information out there today, the more that becomes available, the more as coaches we are responsible to know. Because if there's any unhid or a hidden tool that will allow me to help my player, I want to know it. I want to be able to help that player and I want to use it. And that's happening more and more, you know, in the 21st century where we have technology at our fingertips and there's no excuse not to look research, watch a YouTube video, read something about some recent research in terms of the technology we're using for hitting and pitching and making athletes better. So I think of my time at spring training with the Cubs and I was spending some time with their coaching staff. 
and we were discussing these different pieces of technology and what they are integrating into their system. If there, and what they said is if there's one piece of technology that's going to allow me to reach one of my hundreds of players that's going to make he or she better, then I want to have it. I want to understand it, and I want to be able to use it, because that may be the missing link that's getting that player over the hump and allowing them to succeed at a higher level of play. So taking the cop out of saying, I don't need it, I'm good enough without it, or really, I'm afraid to understand it, and you really don't know what you don't know. And so that's what I mean about if we're going to truly help players, if your goal is to help players when it's not about yourself, then you'll go that extra mile, you'll read a book, you'll look at a video, and you'll un understand something that you don't currently understand. And that's what it means to grow as a coach, and that's what it means to actually help players. So be very wary of the guy that said, I did it this way, and I had success for 20 years, and this is the way you do it. Because that style may not reach 10 different athletes. Or be very wary of the coach that says over and over again, that guy's uncoachable. That guy doesn't want to do it this way. Because usually that means it doesn't fall in line with the one way or the one coaching style of that particular coach. And that may not be the fault of the student. Really, that's a problem with the coach. Find ways to reach your hard-to-reach players. We tend to gravitate towards the, the players that want to receive more information to us. They're usually extroverts, you know, the first ones to come up and talk to you. And it takes a lot of maturity and personality skills, a young athlete, to do that with an adult. Spend some time talking to those hard-to-reach players. Get them to open up. Take it upon yourself at that practice to talk to that, that player that sometimes is standoffish. And you'll be surprised if over the course of time when they become more comfortable with you, you'll have a much easier time reaching them. And the final piece of that, take it upon yourself to learn something new this week. Open a book, watch a YouTube video, understand something that maybe you've seen in terms in the baseball world that didn't really know what it was, Take a minute and figure it out because that may be the hidden key, hidden key or tool that allows you to take just one more player over the hump. And you can then, once you understand it, yeah, break it down in a simple way where they can understand it too. That's the true mastery of coaching. But no longer are we going to say, well, I'm just going to keep it simple and this is the way we've done it for a long time and we've had a lot of success doing it this way with me and we've sent a lot of players to these different places because we've done it this way and not continuing to grow, man, that's a cop-out. And don't be that coach that's willing, unwilling to learn. I want to be the coach that's going to continue to progress in my education every year I coach. And that's truly the sign of a good coach that wants to help players. So until next week, this is Justin Stone coming to you from Europe. Next week, I'll be back in the States. Until then, we'll see you on the field. Really good stuff, as always, and again, can't uh, encourage you enough to make sure you check him out, EliteBaseball.tv, and my man, Justin Stone. All right, time to take it over now to Rick Strickland with our Ask Rick segment. It's been very popular since we uh, got it up and running. It's your opportunity to ask a guy like Rick a, a question that may pop in your mind. Keep in mind that uh, I get a lot of these every week, and I just try to find one that maybe a, a few people are talking about. Talked a little bit about some things that we may have some discussion on. Uh, so, you know, whether it be social media, whatever it may be, kind of always begs conversation, uh, talking a little bit about rosters, uh, playing time, things of that nature, when it should start. 
That was a common theme this week, so I asked him the question, and now we get to hear from him. Let's go now to that St. Louis Pirate Nation blast motion question of the week for Ask Rick. Take it away, bud. Good morning, Jim. Great to be back on the show again this week, um, answering some questions from the audience out there. This week's question was, what age should teams stop batting the entire roster and stop letting kids realize that only nine play this game at a time? Um, that's a good question. Um, it's always uh, a tough question. To, I won't even say tough. It's just an interesting question to ask. It really de- determines what is the goal in uh, desire of the the particular team that you're playing. If it's a select team that's going out trying to develop athletes and trying to uh, uh, get on the field and, and win championships, then obviously that should start you know, as early as possible. But the other question you would have to ask is when does it become important to put groups together that are going out to be competitive and to win championships? I would – you have some groups out there that are doing it at 8, 9, 10 years old, and I don't think that that, that age group is really um, uh, the time to be going out to really trying to, com- to create competitive ball games, uh, players for ball games at that point in time. So my thought process is the later – uh, you have your group when you start to identify players that are really talented uh, that can go out and compete against players that have, of similar uh, ability that, that, in my opinion, would be at the top echelon of, of what that age group is. Now, you know, what, what is that? That, you know, hopefully that's, that's an objective uh, thing that people determine that these kids are some of the best kids that we have in our community uh, in the age group at that point. Those kids should definitely be playing, you know, in a situation where, you know, you're trying to protect the integrity of the game, which is nine or, or you know, ten, and and thing goes from there. But even us with the St. Louis Pirates right now, we don't bat our roster, but we we will bat ten. Uh, we don't think that it, it's harmful, uh, considering that we are using the the teams and the club teams as a platform for our groups to to showcase our players and put them in the position that, you know, they get as many opportunities as they can to be seen by college coaches uh, and professional scouts. You also need to keep this in mind, especially when you're dealing with amateur players, that if if the goal of the organization is to train and promote uh, and to make players better, it's not really harmful to 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 bat an extra player in the lineup or, or two from that perspective. Yes, it takes an bat or two away from another kid, but it also gives an bat or two uh, to a player. Uh, now we can do that because usually our players tend to be. Uh, really high-level, high-performing players at this point in time. So it's not that they couldn't go to another team that's only batting nine and inject themselves into that lineup and, and play every day. But they've chosen to come to a, uh, to a particular program that has some pretty high-level guys that, you know, they're going to have to uh, figure out where they hit in that particular order. It's not going to be given to them at that point. So it just depends on the goal and the directions of where the team wants to go. I'm against, uh, you know, trying to go out and trying to win championships at eight and nine years old. Most of those kids don't have any clue as to how to play baseball at that point in time. So it's a learning and development process to go. We also have to keep in consideration that, you know, being an ambassador for the game of baseball and trying to attract people to a sport that, you know, on occasion has had trouble with uh, attracting new players to the ball game. We want to continue to make the game fun for them and continue to go from there. Now, when I played, there, there was organized baseball, but there's a lot of opportunities where kids just got out and organized the games on the field themselves 
a lot of this problem stems from the fact that sometimes we can get, as adults, we can get too involved and not let the kids figure out, you know, on their own how to how to manage and play the game that way. So um, I'm a big proponent of, of, of you know, letting the, the team and the lineup that dictates where, where you want to go. If it's a championship game or in a big tournament, maybe we will bat nine. But if it's just a, a showcase event where we're just showcasing players, maybe we bat ten. In some instances, we bat eleven. But we want our kids to play so that we can evaluate them all. Uh, I don't think it's a healthy situation where you take kids and you just sit them and you don't play them, um, especially when you're in, in situations that are parent-controlled environments. People are going to be upset uh, from that. So I don't think the model is necessarily broken at the youth levels when you're batting your roster. Usually looking at those teams, they carry 10 or 11 players at that point in time, um, and that's fine. The issue you get when you're on carrying 10 or 11 is some of these guys want to play 75, 80 games in the matter of three months. That might be a little much. If you're going to carry that many games, you're going to have to carry a few more players, which means that somebody's going to have to sit. So that's my my take on it. Um, I think uh, there is no right or wrong answer to it. You might disagree with a particular team's you know uh, practice of sitting guys. You may not. Uh, so I, you know, for me, it's just keeping the kids healthy, get them on the field, make sure they get ample opportunities to, to uh, improve themselves and be evaluated uh, for that. And that's kind of how I look at it. I look at When we look at a game, we look at a player and say, okay, here's a deal. This kid's out there playing. We know he doesn't do this well, doesn't do this well. So when we get him back into the shop, we'll work on, on improving the skill portion of it so that when he can go back on the game, he can evaluate himself again. Kids feel real good when they're performing well. Uh, when they're not performing well, they don't. They don't. They feel real bad about it, and you're picking them up. So that's what I use the games for, and what we use the games for is really for an evaluation purpose. And the more kids we can get on the field, the better. That doesn't mean that our best players are going to have to sit. It doesn't. You know, we do think that there's an earning, a pecking order, and if the kid gets out on the field and he's performing real well uh, and he's capable of playing, I don't think you punish that kid by making him sit. You don't have to. From a competitive standpoint, if kids aren't performing well and you're giving them opportunities and they don't perform well, then those kids, of course, are going to be the ones that don't get as many opportunities because they haven't performed. I don't think you, you jeopardize the integrity of the game by just because a kid's on a team, you let him play all the time and he hasn't earned that right. You're not sending the right message to that kid. That kid needs to be accountable. He needs to show up for practice. He needs to wear his uniform the right way. He needs to hustle on and off the field. And when he's given his opportunities, he has to learn. He has to perform. And if he doesn't perform, then he has to sit. One of the things we run into a lot of times is that we have guys that come in here 12, 11 years old. I mean, they're in the facility every day working their tails off. Uh, and then you have other kids that are on the team as well that don't come in at all. They don't come in and work all. But on game day, they want to be afforded the same opportunities to play uh, the same position or bat in the same order as the other kids. Well, no, that's when you don't, you know, compromise the integrity of the baseball game at that point or any game at that at that point. The kids have to be held accountable for some for for their work ethic in in how they approach the game. And if you know not, if everybody's not 100% all in. And the kids that are 100% in, you don't punish them for it. You don't punish the kids who aren't. You just don't reward them for, for you know, sloppy, uh, sloppy uh, attention to de- detail. So I can talk on this matter all day, Jim. I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I think that there is a balance between the two, uh, and I think that's our responsibility as parents, as coaches, is that some you have some of your stronger players are going to come in and put their work in. You have some people who don't. You want to bring the bottom part of your rosters up, and hopefully that they can compete and and help the team win championships. But there's there's no no problem on my end if they sit, 
but I don't want kids sitting all year, especially at that young age group. So looking forward to the questions again next week, Jim. Thanks again for having me on the show. Talk to you soon. Great as always, and so appreciative we are of Rick and his time that he takes. Uh, does a great job with all the kids and just helps them be the best player they can be. Of course, we appreciate St. Louis Pirates and, of course, Blast Motion for bringing you Rick Strickland and his Ask Rick segment each and every week. Well, I really enjoyed the show today. Of course, anytime I have the opportunity to bring a product on and let them talk about it and, and just basically give you a feel for you know what's out there, what I think can help. Again, I'm no expert. I'm a dad. I'm a coach, just like the majority of you out there that may or may be listening to this show. Just trying to help. Uh, there's a lot of great things, a lot of great devices. There's some that aren't so great. Now, remember, it's all in the eye of the beholder sometimes. So just because I don't like it doesn't mean it may not work for you. Uh, this particular one, I've had a chance to put my hands on it. I've had a chance to use it. I've had a chance to use it with my son. Uh, it's definitely something that I can tell you that I wish I would have had when he was younger. Uh, casting the hands, in my opinion, is a big problem for young kids. It's not a problem in the sense that, you know, it, it's awful. I think just it's a product of them being young and not being in control of their body. So what do they feel? They feel their hands. They're going to cast. They're going to disconnect. It's a really great tool for teaching them the proper sequencing of the swing. You hear Justin Stone say it all the time. It's all about sequencing. I'm telling you, the rope bat is something you can definitely use and definitely help all your youngsters out there. Give them a try. Again, great guy. Gary, I, I, he, he appreciates you know, the time. He was very appreciative of it. And he, you know, he deserves your, 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 your time. Just give him, a, give him a look, and I guarantee if you check it out, you may find yourself a little more interested than you originally thought. Uh, again, couldn't do the show without uh, the other rope product that I stand behind firmly, the Rope Trainer. And you definitely want to check them out at theropetrainer.com. It's a tremendous uh, opportunity for you to check it out, uh, see what it's all about. You know, they're popping up all over the country. People are using them in their training regimens. They're using them to warm up. They're using them to protect the arm. And, again, great people behind it, Earl Perrin, John Smoltz, Chris Verna. If they're talking, I'm listening. John Smoltz always says everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. It's time to check them out. Uh, special thanks, of course, to lineupmedia.fm and all their support, uh, my producer, Brian. Uh, Spiker, who's normally with me, uh, not for this personal interview this week, but again, we're going to get back to our Chasing Velocity series here soon. Then we're going to get some other stuff started for you guys as we enter playing time in the summer. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And again, Spiker's been such a great contributor to the show so far. I really love what he's bringing uh, to the show across the board. Just great stuff. Very, very happy to have him on board. Um, you know, again, can't do the show without the sponsors. Thanks again. Rope Trainer. Thanks again, EliteBaseball.tv. Thanks again, St. Louis Pirate Nation and Blast Motion. For Youth Baseball Talk, I'm Jim Cromer, and we will see you next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at YouthBaseballTalk.com, Facebook.com slash YouthBaseballTalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.